Hello, my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda, and welcome to The Pemberley Podcast. All right, welcome back everyone to a really exciting episode of The Pemberley Podcast. We have a very special guest today. He is the co-creator of The Lizzie Bennett Diaries and the creator of Emma Approved. Please welcome Bernie Sue! Yay! <laughs> Feels weird clapping for myself, so I didn't. Yeah, yeah. no, it's fine. We're, we're used to this, where our guests just kind of watch us awkwardly clap for them. Golf clap. <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right, so let's jump into, like, the beginning of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. So okay. we know that Hank kind of came to you with the idea. Where were you in life, and what were you working on when Hank came to you with the Lizzie Bennet Diaries? Um, where I was in life, um, so we were in uh, Mountain View. I don't know if Hank told that's part of the story. It he was, mentioned it was like a Mexican restaurant. It was a Mexican restaurant I did not Mountain know View. it was in Mountain View. Mountain View, California, near the Google HQ offices, and... We had just seen the premiere of the Digitor, the first version of the Digitor. And um, I did not know who Hank was. I saw a lot of YouTubers there. And we, the, those of us who were still around and staying the next night, we all went to this famed Mexican restaurant that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and, it's not that famous then. <laughs> we just hung out and Hank uh, brought up the... Uh, we introduced each other. Uh, Hank introduced himself to me and I introduced myself to Hank. I introduced myself as a screenwriter for digital, for uh, online storytelling. And that's when it, tr- it triggered, from my memory, that's when it triggered the idea. It's like, hey, is it possible to tell a book on YouTube? Not exactly those words, but something like that. And then that, that spawned into a, like a two-hour discussion of the theoreticalness of telling a book on YouTube, in YouTube, not as a movie, not as something that's more traditional, very interactive, very break the fourth wall type system. So that spawned it. And uh, so where I was in life, in my life, I had, this is March or April 2011. 2011 was a year where I learned a lot about myself because I was homeless the entire year. Wow. And I, well, I was couch surfing the entire year and I stayed with a lot of friends and um, house sit and so forth. And it was a year where I had, the year before, 2010, I had a very comfortable survival job in advertising and quit that job to commit to being a screenwriter or a writer. And so 2011 was a year where I was like, I'm not making any income and I'm still trying to do the networking and be in the social circles and go to the events and so forth. And so I think at the time when Hank and I met, it was just, I, I was still okay because it was like March or April, the year had year had um, just started. But that we didn't really start working on the show until after VidCon. Because I actually told him, it's like, we, we we followed up the week after that meeting at the Mexican restaurant. He would be, went back to Montana and we Skyped about it. And we both agreed that this was a cool idea. And it was one of those things where I knew he was starting, he was doing VidCon coming in August. And I said, let's sit on this for a little bit. And if after VidCon, we still want to do it, let's do it. And sure enough, got to VidCon, saw him there. He was still just as excited as he was. It was kind of, from my point of view, it was kind of a test because I, I know I needed him to be committed and I, I you know, didn't know him. I wasn't sure how committed he would be. And he was just as committed. So after VidCon, I was like, he's in, I'm in, let's go. And so then started our weekly Skype calls, which sometimes we'd miss. And uh, um, it was very consistent. Uh, Tuesdays, I think, 3.30 p.m. Uh, we're, we're very consistent. And it was just this weekly on the books calendar thing that we, we devoted to always talking about the project. And those calls would usually last about an hour and we would go through um, different questions about the show. And between the weeks, I would do everything I could to just kind of develop what we talked about. So I would actually do a lot of work between the weeks. Um, not saying he didn't. I'm just saying um, I knew that it wasn't just that hour. We was like, it was the hour and then I would go and like, okay, I'm going to develop this out and develop this out and develop this out and here the characterizations and here's this format and here's the, the thing. And and when, once we had the calls again, we would have conversations about everything about the show. Like um, things like, all right, how many characters do we really need to show in the beginning because this is a logistical problem because of casting and, and shooting and so forth and budgets. And uh, so that's how we got to the four, the four you see in the beginning. We even had a discussion of do we call it the Lizzie Bennett Diaries or Lizzie Bennett Diaries? And mm-hmm. okay. yeah, the, the, drop the the. the drop yeah. the the. Cleaner. But we didn't drop the the. <laughs> we kept, did, the. We kept yes. the the. Yes. <laughs> so, and we actually mentioned that. Oh, really? <laughs> this, is the, this is the Facebook discussion. Yeah. I was literally just the... thinking, we're in an Aaron Sorkin movie. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, these are the questions you ask yourselves yeah, right. when you're developing something. You, if you're going to have the care that 
we put in Lizzie Bennet, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, you're going to ask these questions of, is it the or is it not? Mm-hmm. And for us, it's the LBD, for example, not LBD, even though, yeah. you know, some of the fans, that's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but for us, it's, it's always been the LBD. So mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of the example of that. Of that. So then uh, fast forwarding, develop, develop, develop. And then September, October is when we really started putting the pieces together. December, we were casting. Um, we did our first casting round, which we got the the first round, and then the the callbacks were after in 2012, the beginning of January, and then off we went. The long version of that answer. No, I love that. So like, <laughs> did so when you guys first met at the Mexican restaurant in Mountain View, mm-hmm. did Hank have Pride and Prejudice in mind already? Yeah, he did. So so from the get go, all these conversations were about like a specific book. Exactly. Yeah. So so it was verbatim from him. Uh, hey, is it possible to tell a book on YouTube? Me, of course it's possible. Not having, no one's done it, but of course it's possible. What book are you thinking of? And he goes, Pride and Prejudice. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then so then you start racking your brain about things. Like we actually had the period discussion there mm-hmm. in, the, in that, from memory, memory serves, it, we had the discussion at the restaurant um, asking, um, <laughs> well, can we make a period? And then we, you know, we have the, the rebuttal. It's like, it's like, it's not an argument. It's just like, should we make a period or not? Because Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. is a period piece, mm-hmm. of course. And then we went, some one of us, either him or me, I don't remember, asked, "Well, where's the camera coming from? Cameras didn't exist in 1800, sure. so so what is she talking to?" And I'm like, then we be you you let the economics dictate it, and you're like, "Well, it's actually it would be way cheaper to shoot it, you know, modern day. We wouldn't have to do the costumes and all that stuff." And so it was it went, went right away, mm-hmm. right away. Like the people, there were people who were, who kind of overheard part of this conversation, so mm-hmm. they they would easily vouch that we had pine prejudice. Minute one. So it was going to be a vlog from the get-go as well? It was going to be have vlog elements. Okay. We definitely didn't have the locked camera thing. We definitely didn't have... Just, it was just going to be the four girls. We definitely didn't have, like, single camera. We, I think um, back then, especially knowing Hank, my, my feeling uh, is that he probably, at that point, visioned it more like a, a, a he someone, the girls holding the camera and walking around uh, okay, type situation. Sure. Uh, a little more traditional. And then as we developed it, I, I went, that's fine. The idea of that's fine, but the more you show, the more we have to, to design for and control mm-hmm. and light for. If we're going to light it and, and it can be quick and dirty, should it be quick and dirty uh, or just kind of ragtag? Um, nothing wrong with that. Just like these are these are production choices that you make. And uh, I was very um, adamant that we should simplify as much as possible. Sure. Just like, like let's make it super simple. Let's get really down to just a really simple thing. Almost pause. I'm the one who said we got to have one camera locked off looking one direction. Just, just let's just do that. Like, let's get this going. If we change it later, that's fine. But we got to make it super simple. Only four cast members, and and then we did the whole thing where we that one frame looks really solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you turn that camera around, it's just like you'd see normal room. Yeah. So that's kind of the way we we designed the the system. That's cool. So, what was your relationship with Pride and Prejudice? Like, how well did you know it when Hank came to you with this? Honestly, not that well. Ooh. Yeah. Honestly, not that well. I, I knew it as well as the son of a mom who loves Pride and Prejudice would know it. Mm-hmm. I knew the kind of the basics of it. I had read it in high school, but I, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, there was like a bunch of sisters and like <laughs> a love story or something. Like, like it was very, very, it's not, it's not a book that I'd retained at mm-hmm. all. Okay. But I respected the book because my mom loved the story so much. Because she loved it so much, it made me care about it a lot more. Um, and so that's kind of my connection to it. I, I, when we started really working on the show, I would talk to her a lot about different scenes. We would we watch we would watch the BBC miniseries together. We watched the uh, the Kieran Knightley movie together twice, I think each, and and we would talk about different things about the story and and the analysis of what what she was feeling. Um, and why did she like this this part of the story and so forth? Because she still loves that story. Like, uh, the, uh, the, like earlier this year, she said that she had stumbled upon like the Chinese version of Pride and Prejudice set in like period China. Oh, cool! Yeah, and 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 they completely they made it into like a thirty part like thirty hour series. Like, wow! Yeah, they made it like really epic. To the like, they really changed a lot of things where some. Things that don't happen in the book happen. <laughs> sure. I mean, and, 30 hours is a lot to Yeah, know. Yeah, they really expanded it. So, uh, and um, so she she really loves that story even today. So uh, for me, it, my, my like care of it was really on that because she cared about it so much. And so like, okay, I'm going to care about this a lot too. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my connection. That's pretty cool. So we've got a question from Samantha from Twitter who asks, were there any major rewrites during shoot days that you decided upon? 
major rewrites on set. I can't remember. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember the Caroline Netherfield arc. We'd actually re- rewrote a big chunk mm-hmm. of something. Don't remember what it was though. I actually think it was the Q and A part episode. Oh, okay. I think it was that. I don't remember what it was. I just visually remember that Margaret and I were just sitting there because we had pe- that was our longest day as far as page count that we ever did. And we basically said, "Okay, we're never going to do that again." How many pages? I, I was like fifty-eight. Some like wow. crazy amount. It's like, look, okay, we're not doing fifty-eight pages in again. one day. In one day. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I think it's there. I, I I do remember that's happening. Uh, but the thing is that well, the testament to all of our shows was that we we never really rewrote day of. We always rewrote in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So the major rewrites happened before the the actual episode, but before we actually shot the episode. I think there were certainly times um, that I would rewrite entire episodes before we got to rehearsal, mm-hmm. um, or we rehearse it and go, "This is not really working." <laughs> Let's rewrite it and rewrite the entire episode. So that happened several times. I don't remember exactly which episodes, but I know it happened because I knew we were all there. There were times where Kate Rorick, myself, and Margaret were all in a room together rewriting, you know, three episodes at the same time. This I think this happened during the uh, the pre Brighton arc, um, where where everybody turned in their episodes for like sixty nine, seventeen, seventy one, and kind of they all hit the same beats mm-hmm. about the same part of the, of the book because during that part, not not a lot not a lot happens in the book, so we had to kind of mm-hmm. invent a bunch of stuff. So everyone. Three different writers, like Anne, Jay, and like someone else, like all wrote the same plot. Oh like, no! Well, this is—it's no one's fault. It's like it's, if anything, it's my fault for not not dictating the the plot points better mm-hmm. in, the, in the in the break. Well, it's a fault. We got to fix it. Like we can't not fix it, or or it's not going to be good. So we would have to rewrite all you know, three episodes at a time. So that was something that I mean, it's, it's the game. It's like the game you play. Totally. Um, and then we have another question from Twitter from Maggie who wants to know what was the most difficult part of making Lizzie Bennet Diaries and what was the most rewarding thing that you were happy paid off? Okay. Difficult part. I mean, it was all hard and it was all <laughs> rewarding. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the difficulty, I think, was that we were always on. Like, or at least I felt like I was. I always had to be on. And I'm not just on as in far as, okay, the show is running and we have to be on it. But it was that I was always it was always on and social media was always on. So it wasn't just the episodes hitting every Monday, Thursday, the Lily episodes or the Gigi episodes hitting you know, whatever the other days. It was that on top compounded with the social media parts of it and and kind of feeling the pulse of the fans and feeling the pulse of the audience. So granted, um, I mean, Alexander Edwards, Jay Bushman, big parts, even Rachel Kylie, big parts of the social media part. And there were parts that they just took over and, and, and took care of it. But there was, a, I don't know the exact percentage. It was, I'm just saying it's a very high percentage where I was sitting there watching the tweets go out, even if we scheduled them. Sometimes we would schedule the tweets, it would go out as planned. And I would I would watch, I think we were using Sprout Social at the time, the tweets go out. And I would mentally, in this football term, call an audible and actually change something. I actually, actually stop the schedule Whoa. and start changing dialogue because I saw something Ooh. in the tweet, in the, in the stream. Um, when you say you saw something, something from a fan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Or it felt different. This timing doesn't feel right. Or something. Something just this doesn't feel right. I, that was fun. It was hard, but it was fun. And it, it was rewarding because the audience, I think, at least the, the, a lot of the audience could appreciate the, the care that we're trying to all have our own lives, of course. And and the team, Jay, Alex, Rachel, cues up this, cues up this, the, the thing. It goes out. I, I'm there because it's a Saturday and the tweets are going out. And I one, I'm not doing anything, and two, I'm I, I'm I'm like paranoid about. It. I was like, so what if the tweet doesn't go out? Like, what if the, what if this and so forth? So I'll watch it go and I'll see the stream and I'm just like, you know, refreshing the 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 uh, the, the responses. And then I may or may not. I'm saying I did it all the time, but there were there were several times where I jumped in. Pulled pulled out uh, something and took the script and actually would either say something like turn it into a reply to an audience member say I did that I did that a lot and or and or change the text or change the script a little bit or change the timing of it all and then there were times where I would just literally just be the one typing everything wow <laughs> which was uh, a lot <laughs> so so and also how early on in these conversations with Hank about adapting a book for YouTube did you introduce the idea of transmedia. It wasn't as early as you think it was, <laughs> so because at first it was just the YouTube part of it. We yeah. were just thinking YouTube. It did. I think it the, it really started going when I when Jay came on to the show to talk about transmedia. So Jay was the one who really pushed that we should do it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Give him full credit for that, because um, I at the time said we should do it on Facebook. <laughs> so uh, in hindsight, I would have been wrong. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was pushing for a very, very robust Twitter experience. And he was the one who designed the, 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 the first part of it, like the, the, the fact that uh, Darcy, Bing, and Caroline were tweeting at each other before the show like, you know, even aired, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the show started and so forth. So like, that was all him. And, and that was masterful. I mean, just like, wow. Clap, clap. <laughs> right? Like, like I, I was impressed. Everyone was impressed on that, on that run. So, so that was the type of thing. I think it was during the parallel era time of that when we were developing it, developing the Twitter part, it became discussion of with Hank. It's like, well, you know, as Hank is a YouTuber, YouTubers are not just on YouTube. They're on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so we went, all right, what's the most authentic way to do this? And so we would, obviously went to Twitter. Twitter he, he pushed for Tumblr, which we did. I still tried to do Facebook, which was okay. <laughs> like it wasn't, I mean, we admit, we did not have an amazing Facebook experience. It was there, but mm-hmm. it wasn't amazing. And then I was the one who just, who pushed for the the Jane Lookbook uh, segment because I would I was developing something for Lookbook at the time. I was like, well, Jane's in fashion. We should just try this. It'd be freaking cool. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like and see if it works. And that was the precursor of a lot of the Emma Approved stuff that you will assume to talk about. So that, that came about pretty early. And it was one of those things where like... We did. We told the cast that they would have characters on Twitter, and they would be just talking to each other and so forth. I think we didn't tell the, the cast that we had seated Bing, Bingley, Caroline, and Darcy. And so when that reveal happened way back in like whatever late April, twenty twelve, the cast didn't even know. Wow. They're just like, wait a second, what? Like, what's happening? Like, why is? Like, who are they talking to now? And so it was this whole new thing. And um, I mean, it was fun. I mean, I, I, I kind of went myself like, oh, yeah, I should have told them. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of cool that they didn't. <laughs> We're here now. We're here now. <laughs> That's funny. Also, Manda from Twitter wants to know, what is your favorite memory during production of Lizzie Bennett Diaries and or Emma Approved? My favorite memory during production of Lizzie Bennett Diaries I don't know if this is technically during the production, but my favorite memory was actually our v- first VidCon experience. We've heard a lot about that. Yeah. yeah that was pretty epic. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did we shoot episodes at VidCon, which is super ambitious, and I don't know if we ever do that again. But, uh, <laughs> well, I don't think it's possible to do it again. It's oh, gotten yeah. so big. It's gotten so big, yeah. yeah. So not only did you do it that way, but the, the, the panel... Which was like, it was insane. We, they gave us a medium-sized room, which was totally more than we thought we needed. And then we the, the, like go to, like Rachel and I remember, we were going to the room. Let's go check out the room. They're like an hour in advance. And we walk in and the room's full. It's like, what? <laughs> like, like, who are these people? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, yeah, they're here for the panel. And I'm like, what? our panel? <laughs> like, like, okay, here we go. And so that was really awesome. And I, I really wish that, you know, now, of course, in hindsight, we should have the bigger room at the time because we did so much cool stuff at that, at the, at that mm. panel. We revealed um, Max, uh, Christopher, and Jessica during the panel. Like, like we actually, there, there are questions that led to things that, I mean, speaking of, uh, of the interactive storytelling, we knew that we wanted to reveal the cast members, but we wanted a fan to ask it. And we, so we actually had, had pointed out in advance, we had planted a f- someone to ask this question. <gasps> Okay. Oh and same with the the question of will we see new characters or will we get and when will we get out of the room? All right. So those were plant. Plan, there was a person in the audience that was planted for those questions. Did you pay but, someone or did you find a fan? No, no, no. We, like a friend of ours was in the room. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but we didn't need them because the fans they were literally the first two questions asked in the panel. Wow. Like you, if you replay, it's, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. If you replay that panel, the first two questions out were. Are are there going to be other characters, and when are we going to get out of that, out of that room? I don't right know the order. Now. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, this is earlier than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 um, I give credit to some fans. There were a couple fans who came, who, who who were sitting together, and when that question was asked, they they knew that that we were going to reveal. Like they were like, "Oh, look at the door! Look at the door!" Wow. <laughs> so did they film the door with their phones? I I, I, I think mean, it's somewhere probably. on YouTube. Probably. Yeah, probably. But that was the whole idea, and mm-hmm. so it, of course created this like feverish like excitement that mm-hmm. you really have at it. You know those classic like fandom panels that you you like reveal stuff and you make things crazy and you and and all that stuff. So that was, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a really fun panel. I bet. So that was that was a good memory. Do you do you have a favorite like like Lydia like Maria of the Lou like these sort of separate channels? Did you have a favorite? I mean, I think the Lydia one was my favorite. Well, it's kind of unfair because we did the most of it, mm-hmm. but it was my favorite. Even some people would probably guess that the 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 the, the Gigi Pemberley one was my favorite, but it was it was cool mm-hmm. to try something like that. But um, and it was fun to get to work with with Allison and Craig um, and, and Daniel in that regard. I think because the Lydia one was was the was the first one we did, 
And it was one where we didn't know we were going to do it until we did it. Mm-hmm. So we were getting to the Nedothil arc, and Lydia splits off, and we knew Lydia splits off, and this is one of the things we talked about in the, in, in the planning of the story. And Hank, you know, we, we were just, this is one where Hank, Hank and I called, it's like, all right, Lydia's going to split off. Um, should we shoot some videos of Lydia? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Why don't you do it? Like, all right. And he said, like, well, I'm, I, I don't have the budget to do a whole production here like we do in Lizzie. I, I'm just going to do this, do this quick and dirty. So I'm just going to do it where, like, she's filming everything herself. And um, so I was the cameraman the entire time. Like, hmm. yeah. So, yes, Mary-Kate is holding the camera, but I'm the one aiming the camera. Sure. Okay. Right? So, like, and there are times where we had, like, these weird lenses because I had grabbed the wrong lenses. So I had these, like, long lenses for a reason. And so the camera had to be further back than her arm could reach. So, like, so she would actually, like, hold my arm and I would put it on the camera. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's to, to, to show that she's holding on to something. Right. So it was just, like, it was, like, you know, odd. But, like, yeah, you, you do what you got to do to get that done. So um, because those were so so quick and, and just kind of, you know, free form in that sense, and I really loved it, too, because it actually completes the Lydia like timeline because we actually can cover the entire timeline of when she's not on the and then when she's not physically with Lizzie you have Lydia content the entire timeline mm-hmm. um because it completed that 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 timeline uh that to me was my favorite one plus it, it 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 does just I think it was so key to humanizing that character um especially when you have a lot of the people who discussed about watching Lizzie videos and not watching Lydia and then watching Lydia videos and how and how their perceptions of her and her like point of views change because of that I'm really glad that that those videos did such a big part of instigating that discussion uh, that it would have to be that for sure. Yeah, totally. I have a couple of wild card selfish questions that I'd like to ask. Ask some wild card selfish questions. Yes, and uh, one of them is a Lydia question, which sure. is if so, if Lydia hadn't had the sex tape, what was your idea? Like, what were the other creative options for what her scandal would have been? They, they, these were not reusable ideas. Okay. The sex tape was the only option we had, the only viable option we had. Did you think of other ones that... We had discussed them, sure. Mm-hmm. We had discussed Lydia gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay, how, do you, how does Darcy from pregnancy? That's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Opens up a lot of, you know, yeah. political issues there. Uh, we discussed Lydia um, uh, becomes gay. Okay. Um, again, a little bit political. Is it good? Is it bad? How does Darcy save you? Like, because you had to do. You, there were two parts to it. There was one. It's got to be scandalous to the family, and two, Darcy has to save her. There mm-hmm. was some. Do, Darcy has to do something out of his way to do something to pull her out of the scandal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are the two key things. I'm not saying that we couldn't have been these things, but because there was two elements, you couldn't just throw scandal. Sure. You had to like figure out how Darcy was going to solve it. On the flip side, the only thing that fit was sex tape, and to give full credit where it's due. Jay Bushman was the one who suggested it. Yep. And when he said it, because I, I said, I have no idea what the scandalism has been. And he goes, I know what it is. Or his, <laughs> his Jay Bushman, like, sex tape. Right? <laughs> That's as Jay Bushman as he can get there. And it was like, huh. <laughs> like, me going, huh, that actually, that works. All right, all right. Let's 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 let's, let's put that in our back pocket. Um, we have, like, 10 months before we can do this. <laughs> That's true. To, we have to commit to this. And, and if we think of something better, we'll, we'll, we'll consider it. Mm-hmm. And we never did. Um, even um, first time meeting Ashley, uh, not discussing with Ashley at a coffee shop about the show, she was asked, like, what are you going to do? What are you, you going to do for the scandal? And it's like, you know, even then I was like, we, I, I talked to Jay, sex tape was the best option. And, but I was still not committing to sex tape because it was like, is it really going to be sex tape? Like, is that where we're going to go? And I went, you go like, well, I think we're going to do sex tape. And like her eyes light up. And she's like, yes, you should definitely do that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess it's probably going to be sex tape, I guess. That's awesome. <laughs> um, tell us why George calls them peach. <laughs> Can I say it like that? Because I know you told us, but I want you to tell them. Oh, my goodness. So um, creating when we were making George uh, the character, we were looking for you know, a cute sounding thing that he would use like a pet name like a pet name yeah for the women or for the girls right so honey babe you know these type of things and we wanted it to be unique so i actually there there are google chats not with the cast the team or anything but like me and like my guy friends going hey um uh what are some like douchey like like pet names that you know guys say to girls <laughs> like like yeah you know, what, what is there and and they would throw out stuff like and but they would use like these kind of things that i didn't want to use like two syllable things I'm not saying this but like like honey bunches or whatever like like something weird that i'm like i want something one syllable that's very clean and go and so i remember this is where it came from i think i told you this part that 
um, growing, one of my favorite movies, like as a teenager, was this movie called Face Off, which has Nicolas Cage and and John Travolta. And in that movie, Nicolas Cage, playing the evil version of himself, in that in that movie, uses Peach as the pet name. Mm-hmm. Like you're my Peach, okay. And I'm like, yeah, that that actually kind of works. So let's just let's just use Peach. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Kim, it comes from a really like. <laughs> niche like nicholas cage yeah it's, John Travolta movie. it's so obscure yeah. but there was not the effectiveness of the, of the word and it was one of those things where the way i operate is like i'll come up with something and then i'm waiting for someone to come up with something better mm-hmm. so like early on okay, okay it's peach and until we commit to peach it could be anything else if someone comes up with something better but peach is what it is perfect love it okay Let's move on to Emma. Great. So how far down the line were you with Lizzie when you decided to make Emma? Were there any other, like, what other books did you think about making, sure. et cetera? So um, this is going to be very vague because I've not told this story very often. So okay. I know about the timeline of this. So when Pemberley was formed, so, uh, formed by Hank, myself, and um, formerly DECA, now Kin Community, the mm-hmm. network, the online network, that deal was a two-series deal. That deal was Kin will pay for Philly's Band Diaries. So you don't have to worry about the money to finish the show. And we'll give you a set number of, of dollars to do whatever show you want to do next. I mean, it was kind of like, in hindsight, it was one of kind of a pretty, pretty, like a dream scenario for a writer. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was a dream scenario for a writer um, where you just like do whatever you want. We'll, we'll, we'll fund it up to this amount, of course. And um, so really, I could have, well, we could have done any book we wanted to. It had to be a book. It had to be an adaptation. It had to be on YouTube. It had to be, like, there were some, there were certainly parameters here. Did it have to be public domain? Um, no, it didn't have to be. Okay. Getting rights is annoying, so it probably <laughs> should have be. It should be. <laughs> so, but being, uh, seeing the Sex of Lizzie Bennett Diaries, trying to be a good partner, knowing that Kin's network is a female, like, you kind of go, all right, we're going to stick with Jane Austen. We're going to stick with a female-centric book. They're all female-centric Jane Austen books. And and which book should we do? And so um, Hank, at this point, had already gone like, okay, we've made Elizabeth Diaries. That's what I wanted to do. Pride and Paradise on YouTube. I, uh, I've done it. And and he wants it to continue, of course. He wants the business to continue. He wants it to succeed. He was definitely not as, like, we weren't doing our daily or weekly calls anymore at that point. The, the machine was, was running. Like, it was well-oiled. Because at that point I would I was working in the Kin Deca offices every day. We were running the show out of it. I would talk to the other people at the company, and they would always ask, not pestering, just more like casually, like, "What's the next book going to be?" Because like they're seeing the success of this book, it's it's doing killer numbers. It's like in the Wall Street Journal. Like it's like they're of course they're excited for the next book. And um, I would just always say, "I'm pretty sure it's going to be Emma. I'm pretty sure." And um, because at that point, now. I felt like, all right, I need to research a little more, more Jane Austen to get more knowledgeable about this stuff. I just looked at the, look at the main characters um, of, of, the, of the other books, and I went, all right, well, the person that I, I gravitate most toward is Emma. So I'm going to go ahead and, and dive into Emma, and, and, and I think we'll do that one. You know, I, did, I knew the Clueless story, for example. I knew that one. I think both of you know me well enough that if you've looked at me as a person, like, who am I the most like yeah. as a person? Like, Bernie, the, the individual, which Austin character am I? Like, you would probably say I'm the most like Emma. So it made the most sense that I would do it. Now, the deal in, in that deal with Kin, it was dictated that I had to run the show. Like, I couldn't hand that show off. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to be the showrunner. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to do the obvious one then. And it was the obvious one. Like, there, like two filter called it. Two filter, I didn't tell them. Two filter said that they're obviously going to do Emma. <laughs> and even though they threw out, they had an article saying what book they're going to do next. And they went like Dracula and this and that. <laughs> oh, and all they that didn't stuff. Wow. Jane Austen. Yeah, they they went all around. But at the very, I think if I remember the article again, you can look it up. Um, uh, it's very clear at the end. They, they're very committed that it's very obvious that they're going to do Emma. Like that's the that's the that's the smart money is what their pick was. Mm-hmm. And when Emma came out, they actually also say. In that article, that they were right, which they were. I'm looking at this <laughs> August second, twenty thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, that was the the choice there. So, developing Emma, we know. I knew pretty early I was going to Emma. I didn't know when. I didn't have the dates ready to go or anything like that. But I knew I needed time to develop it, and I knew um, because during that window, after Lizzie finished airing, was ironically not ironically like like my my I did a pilot for Lookbook, the 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 fashion blog. And that start, that started airing the week after Lizzie stopped airing. Mm. So just like I, I was still in show running mode, like I was still making shows. 
we wanted to bridge this gap. There was the Kickstarter, which led to Sanitin, which you, you know, Margaret and Jay can talk a little more about, mm-hmm. and or did I guess because I'm, I mean, I'm, this is outcoming after that one, yep. and um, but there, so there was that that bridge show that would buy us time to develop Emma, and then we we started making it. I mean, we started developing it pretty early. So then what lessons did you take from Lizzie Bennet Diaries into Emma and how to create this whole story world? <laughs> so uh, a lot. Um, there were a lot of things I wanted to optimize because I knew that, that Lizzie doing Lizzie Bennet Diaries was just so exhausting uh, mm-hmm. for me um, that I wanted to optimize it so I wouldn't burn out. Well, ironically, I did kind of burn out during the first part of Emma, but mm-hmm. I tried. Uh, so um, I also wanted to solve a lot of things that were... were um, uh, not mechanically wrong um, about the show, but like like aesthetically, there are black holes in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this because the, I know the fans won't, won't, won't love this a lot, but there was a business side behind this. Lizzie Bennett Diaries has this amazing transmedia system that won the Emmy, of course, and social media and Twitter and all that stuff. And none of it actually drove revenue. You can say it drove fan base, sure, but there's no actual statistics. So in between episodes 80 and 81, if Lizzie and Darcy tweet each other, I can't prove that the time it took to spend making that tweet, that tweet, that, that moderating that tweet conversation led to more views on the next episode. I can theorize it did. I don't know. Um, but I still wanted to, I didn't want to ignore Twitter. I wanted to actually build it out. And I also wanted to do something different here. And this is something that, that Hank um, really pushed for too. He's like, we got to do it differently. Like, we can't just do the exact same thing. We can't have Emma do the costume theater thing. We can't like, you know, these are things that we discussed that we had to do something very different here. And I said, I think I know how to do this. It's like, if I if I designed Emma as a fashion blogger, I can connect all these art- these these articles together and these other channels together and make an ecosystem that's very, very synergetic. Um, where it's where it's like a funnel franchise, where where you you jump in the franchise and you all all are driven all the way down to, or not really funnel, it's more like an echo chamber. You're just around the echo chamber of of the Emma world. So Lizzie was this kind of sprawling world where you had different families and they had different discussions going on. The Darcys are over here, the the Lees are over there, and whether they cross or not, they come and go. Emma proved as a transmedia piece was all about the brand of Emma. Mm-hmm. There was not another extension out there. There wasn't like a running thing that we really did outside of that. And that was to prove one model, which was that transmedia could monetize. That was the biggest thing. Like, look, uh, Lizzie Mantarius has all the theses. I don't think people have written theses on Emma Proof, which is totally fine. But a lot of people have written theses on Lizzie Mantarius. So I know that the love of that show is there. They analyze the transmedia. They analyze the the, the narrative kind of construct of it. They, 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 there's clearly, it's a bigger fan base. There's more views. I totally respect that Lizzie is a bigger show, uh, uh, view count-wise, audience-wise, no problem. But Emma approved transmedia-wise, that's the future of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do a transmedia series that monetizes, that actually can sustain its cost um, without being a massive hit like Lizzie was, like if Lizzie wasn't a massive hit, it doesn't sustain. Because it was a massive hit, it sustained. Emma approved was not a massive hit. It was a hit. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a good hit. It sustained, and it was generating more revenue while it was running, while it was running, than than Lizzie Bennet Diaries was while it was running. Key while it was running, okay, not afterward. Afterward, it's different, but but that was because we had built in the fashion system, we built in the blog system, we built in all these things um, to the system to just make sure that that revenue was coming in, so that we could spend on the show. Like it wasn't about oh, I need I need to pocket more money because yeah. I need to be paid more. That's not the way I work. I work with trying to build systems where everyone can can get paid. Everyone who works on the show gets paid. The show can keep going. Mm-hmm. So it's about sustainability for me. So Emma approved is that model. That's the one that works um, or did at the time. And that's what I really tried to do with that show is to build a system that works. So the the transmedia that's really studied today that from like the creators, they look at the Emma approved model. They're like, that's a system that can work. Mm-hmm. So then just to break it down even further with like, say, taking the fashion example, how was that monetized then? So fashion was monetized in two ways. Number one, anything, not everything, 90% of the stuff that Emma wears or Harriet wears, we, 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 we put on our fashion blog and we link to a buy page. Okay. And, we, and 90% of those buy pages we're partnered with. So if you were to buy that dress, we get a cut of that. That's of course the show. That's mm-hmm. of course the show. Um, that's one. The second one is that some of the brands actually paid us to do things for the like feature stuff in the show. Mm-hmm. Like I think there was like a mod cloth um, contest toward the end of the show, for example. That was a good example. So they just gave us a, a, a kind of a lump sum to say, do a contest. 
am approved and do it within the show. And we did it. So it's almost like they almost paid for the transmedia, which is kind of nice, right? Um, so what? So you? So I know there's criticism out there that people were like, "Oh, Emma was kind of was like a sellout show." If you like, they like to say that. And I'm like, "Hey, that's your opinion. N- no point in the show does does any of the actors ever break character to say buy my clothes, and no, and very few points in the clo- in the show do the characters actually talk about their clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that every time they do talk about the clothes, it's in character. It's like it's like in the moment, it's actually something that they're talking about. I felt that we were as authentic as possible with that situation, with that environment, without being gratuitous with the selling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, one of the things in production, like a lot of people don't know this, uh, who worked on the show, worked, worked on both shows, when Lizzie Ben Dyers was running, all the actors basically brought their own clothes. There were very few times where we, where we had a wardrobe person come in and and so forth. Um, there were times where I borrowed clothes from, from family members so that like <laughs> they had more clothes to wear because they were running out of clothes. Um, and so we did that. And and I knew that I know that was stressful for the the cast members. I know it's stressful, and I wanted to solve that with this show. I'm approved, and I didn't want to be the one running the fashion myself. And <laughs> I wanted the fashion to be a big car- a big part of the series. So we brought in the stylist, and this of course the stylist. You know, the, no one works for free in our shows, so we have to pay the stylist as well. We were so good at the driving of featuring or rather featuring of cute clothes that drove enough sales that we were. The money that was coming in from just the affiliate links was actually paying for the stylist and more. Wow, oh, cool! So, people, like, and the funny thing is that we did we had the exact same amount of money. It's just that we had built the system better so that the the environment was better for the actors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at no point the, the the actors could worry about the acting and the stylist that we managed to figure out how to pay for with this system can help just worry about the styling. And so uh, the stylist uh, was also named. Her name was Jessica Snyder, and she was the stylist the whole time. And she says in the in the in the uh, in the back uh, the interviews and the behind the scenes, like we you know we had this discussion. It's like the the fashion is a character in the show. Emma's fashion is distinct, is different from Harriet's fashion. Harriet's fashion should progress, and we would talk about each character's fashion in just a very vague sense. I trusted her taste. I said like this is the type of character she is, and you know, go. off you go, <laughs> yeah. you go go pick stuff, right? Yeah. So tell us about the app that you've got going on now. <laughs> the app? Yes. Well, hopefully, um, I mean, it's, it's been a ride, that's for sure. Okay. Um, so where, where do you want to start? Well, I mean, you. I feel like this is the only uh, Pemberley digital show that has an app. And, like, we've sort of played around with it. How did it? How did the idea come about? Like, how long have you been working on this? What's so, the goal, et cetera? Yeah, so the goal, um, well, let's, let's, let's start with the when, when it started. Yeah. Uh, January, February, one of those months. Okay, early this year. It was this year for sure. I got connected to the head of of AVM, which is the publisher of the Moments app, the Moment Stories app, and I was recommended to her as someone who was an interactive storyteller. And she pitched to me this app that she's building, which is this interactive messaging app. Which is, you know, I mean, there are other ones like this out there in the sense of like there's like episodes and choices, and those are more animations, but mm-hmm. they're they're kind of the same model. And then uh, dating sims. If you play a dating sims, there's that as well. And so she brought up the idea of like, would you what would could would you write? Would you be down to write a story for this app? I think um, if she asked her, she was probably in a little more of like like she'd be surprised. I said yes because like uh, I have two Emmys, but like <laughs> I'm like this sounds cool. Let's do it. Like that was my stance. Like this sounds cool. Let's do it. It's like uh, I, I've never done this before. And then when, when I was when I was reading like the specs of how to construct the story. I went, well, why should this be an original IP? I think it's actually way easier for me if I actually took something I already, uh, characters I've already built mm-hmm. and threw them in here. And then becomes the idea of like, well, um, you, both of you know that, that I, I've been trying to like figure out ways to, to revitalize Emma for years. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, well, here's, here's, here's our opportunity to stare me in the face. Like, this is going to be very simple. Mm-hmm. Technically, I don't even need the actors for this. Yeah. Like, I don't need them at all, technically. Um, I can just use pictures of, of, of them in the show and just throw them on here and write the story and bada bing, good to go. So I actually pitched them the idea of like, you know, let's just do Emma. Let's just do it. And let's just do a, like, let's just do a partnership. Very simple. We'll craft the story. I think you saw, if you remember in the timeline of, if you love following Pemberley or something, at one point Pemberley was looking for new interns very mysteriously, I'll say, in like January, February. And this is why. Like I was building this, and I wanted help to to build this. Mm. I don't like writing by myself. I like writing in teams, and, and which is why you see that in Elizabeth Diaries, I I don't have the most episodes credited writing. 
I'm the showrunner, yes, but I don't have the most credited episodes. I think Margaret is. And I think Emma approved uh, the most credited writer is Tracy Bitterelf. So like, like these are, I'm not trying to get the most credit. I'm just trying, I'm trying to build teams mm-hmm. each time. With the show, I wanted to build a new team. I wanted more people to come in and new voices and and to take this somewhere. So it then becomes, okay, we're going to do Emma as a zap. What's, what's the construct? You are going to be part of Emma's world. You are now in the company. You, the person, <laughs> okay, you, the player, or the viewer, are part of this. Theoretically, it's, it's very theoretical. It's just the idea of like, all right, you're in this. Because it's a kind of interactive game with potentially multiple endings, becomes another question of, wait a second, is this canon or not? Because you have wildly different canons, it becomes this whole thing of, can I say this is canon? Well, I can say that this app is canon. This app to me is absolutely canon, 100%, with multiple endings. And you go, well, how's that possible? Because the only multiple endings, the multiple endings are your character's multiple endings. It's your relationship, whether you have the job or whether you continue on and who's fighting for you. So there are things like, does Emma trust you at the end? Does Knightley trust you at the end? Like, those are the factors. Those Mm -hmm. are the difference. So what you're playing for is your relationships, not actually the plot. Mm -hmm. The plot is just the plot. Mm -hmm. It it goes. Um, So going to the plot now. She's like, all right, what's the plot? When Emma was finished, we had already talked about how could Emma can continue. And it's actually really simple because Emma can just have new clients. We basically had clients from the original text, so we would have to bring in new, 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 new characters. So we always talked about like other literary characters, whether it be awesome or not, that came in to be our clients and how fun that would be and how cool that would be. And then when this show, when this opportunity came, we came up with the idea of, of course, by this point, for like the last three years, the most requested by far of Austin's works for us to do was Persuasion. It's like two to one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Persuasion followed by Sense are the two most requested, requested ones. And I went, well, wouldn't it be really cool to actually put Persuasion right here? And then like, then it like dawned on me, and I feel like it's such an idiot not thinking about this earlier, that the Persuasion, how Persuasion starts is... Um, I mean, so how it starts, it's, it's, it's the, the engagement failing. The engagement happens, and then it fails. Mm-hmm. Well, Emma is a matchmaker or is a party planner. So the idea of Emma planning a, mar- a marriage that is doomed for failure is really interesting. Persuasion or not, yeah. is to me. And then it just made a lot of sense to just become a persuasion. So this in-canon story game is an Emma sequel and a persuasion prequel in one narrative experience, I'll admit it's pretty buggy <laughs> right yeah. now, but that's what it is. That's all everything. Like, like, will the game get better? You bet it will. I'm not the one programming it, but I, I've only I've made it as simple as I can right now with the idea that I'm going to make the game, make the experience better. Videos, photos, extension videos, off app, all these things to kind of you know, grow out the experience. I know, like, the Persuasion characters right now are basically anime cartoons mm-hmm. because I, I, I didn't want to commit to a cast right now. I'm kind of like, all right, let me, let me, let's get this thing out first. Let's get it working correctly. And then let's bring in the, let's actually do it for real if we're going to actually do Persuasion. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea of the game. The game is our way back in to Pemberley. My next question, which comes from a fan, Monica from Facebook, mm-hmm. basically wants to know if, Emma approved persuasion is only going to continue on the app or if that's going to build into a web series. Well, I'll say right now that the entire Emma cast, well, yeah, pretty much all of them. First, it was the the, the, the core four, Knightley, uh, jo- uh, Emma, Harriet, and Martin. They're all on board okay, with, for the game. So the idea that, that the game will eventually feature video instead of just all text, mm-hmm. very, very likely okay. at some point. All right. So some of these kind of bantery conversations, especially with Emma Knightley that you see, in the text will eventually can be can become video elements. So that's within the plan. Again, I'm waiting for the app to be a little more stabilized for us to do that. And uh, I, I don't want to rush them. I want the app to be good. I, I don't. I'm not in a hurry. I, I know the fans want more now, but um, making apps takes time. So I respect that. You know, Pokemon Go was extremely buggy when it started. And I still play the game as you got issue too well now. So the idea of the series continuing. So to answer the rest of your question, mm-hmm. all four of them. Would be extremely happy if the series came back. You know, like there's obviously you know like it's deals and schedules to be made, but I, I can say confidently that they'll they all be extremely happy that the series come back. How we get the series to come back is a whole different thing. Um, funding a video series or producing a video series is far more expensive than funding a text-based story game that we don't have to build that someone else builds for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little, it's tricky there. But to be honest, part of the barometer of this is to see how much interest, how much how well this game does. So if the game 
you know, you don't have to push it now by any means because wait for the game to get get more stable before we uh, we really push it. If the game were to go crazy, okay, then it makes absolute sense to do an Emma extension and a Persuasion extension game or not. Whether there'll be a Persuasion game story moments thing, I'm not sure. I just don't I don't know what the environment is. The Emma game continuing is absolutely it absolutely makes sense to me. Just like just just keep going it. Like I'm not saying not do the video series, just the game. I'm saying bring in another client. Like who do you want to bring in? You know, um, let's do it and and let 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 the uh, let the players get to get to you know be more involved even maybe even play matchmaker or you maybe even fall in love with the character. Or that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, all of those things can can go go forward whether or not the Emma series goes forward or not. You know, planning for the worst when I started designing this thing, I was planning anticipating that there was a chance that all four character all four actors that I needed for the game. Would, or, or the characters featured in the game would not be not be interested in doing the game or the show. That's not true. They actually are super interested in doing everything, for the, which is why they were in the video clips and everything. And man, like I'll say, selfishly, I that was so awesome. Like it was like like shooting that stuff. I'm like, man, this is like so fun. This is why I wanted to bring this back for so long because this is it's so fun and and loving and lovable and these characters are just so cool so i i it was nice to see them just get to be themselves again and it, for for joanna and brand bailey especially could do most of the talking in those clips it was just like it's like well they like never left <laughs> like, oh, it's like exactly the same you know and uh yeah so that that's that was a really cool uh, thing so i want to see it come back i i think it's very highly likely that you'll see some extension beside from this game okay say that yeah, we had another, Inza, Camilla from Instagram asked, can we expect a new season of one of the shows or a new crossover? And sounds like you're still waiting on that as well. I'm still waiting on that as well, but I, I'm, I'm going to say it's it's pretty likely that we'll try something more. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, it just timeline-wise right now, it's right now it's just waiting for the game to stabilize, seeing how it does. But while at the same time, I am having those discussions with, with the with the cast members i mean i've already had those discussions the cast wants to do it mm-hmm. okay so now it's all about the logistics of finding the resources to do it and and in that that realm what the story goes to sky's the limit we can do whatever <laughs> like um because we're not we're not beholden to the book anymore we can do kind of whatever we want uh for me like one of the things that i didn't want to do was to just do emma again just as we did it before because to me like i wanted to for selfishly for me, I wanted to be challenged myself again. I didn't feel challenged at all until this game opportunity came along. And I was like, okay, this is challenging now. They've never done this before. And then can we synergize this? Can we like double crossover <laughs> with persuasion? Like, like now everything is like, oh my God, like, like Pemberley doesn't feel, at least to me, like, like stale. Because Pemberley after, you know, doing not just Lizzie, Emma, but even Frankenstein, Sanditon, felt a little stale. Like I felt like for me, as a creator, I, I, I was, I'd happily support anybody else doing shows under the banner. And in order for me to do it, do it with the love and care that I feel the shows deserve, I need to be challenged in the, mo- in, the in the format. Again, speaking from the artist, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's that's what we've actually found now, ironically, with this kind of very simple mobile game mm-hmm. of like, huh. Now the audience can really be involved. They can, it can now. Now it's you know another level of interactivity, the thing that we were known for, and it's it's like we're bringing in the experience and it's a challenge and you know I mean all these things. I think it's an exciting time for us for Pemberley. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a super exciting time. It's not going to be super fast. I'll, I'll say that we have stuff that we had shot um, in the Emma approved world for this game that we haven't released yet. So just so you know, there's, there's things out there that are okay. kind of sitting and waiting for game to get better type okay. thing. Sure. And adding, again, high, uh, making the game more, more expansive, expanding it, um, and then extending the narrative of the game, and then coming and doing another video series, perhaps. All of it sounds good. Sure. Awesome. We um, have another fan question. Claire from Instagram says, uh, please ask him to green light the Lizzie Bennett wedding that Ashley wrote. Well, that is actually up to Ashley. Um, I, I, we have given Ashley in, uh, the full rights to the franchise. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, for Lizzie Bennett Ben Diaries. Uh-huh. So, so her script, her, I mean, you know, the, the wedding can't happen without her, obviously. <laughs> sure. Um, and, and she wrote a script and so she's free to do what she does. Uh, whatever support she, she needs from our side, um, happy to give it. And so for the Lizzie Bennett Diaries movie, uh, I wish them the best. 
Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So then, as we've seen, like, with Lizzie Bennet Dyer, especially and Anima Approved, that really just jump-started this whole genre of vlog adaptations on YouTube. You've seen so many of them. What advice, then, would you give to someone who wants to start their own transmedia series? Wow. (laughs) Um, Advice to start? Mm. Um, Prepare for the long haul? Um, I think you need... My advice is design a series that is very... That has a runway. So that you can you have enough content that you can ideally shoot for cheap, unless you're super rich, um, that you can have a runway of like 10, 12 weeks of content so you can build an audience that way. Because you're not going to have the, I'm assuming, again, that you're not super rich, you won't have the marketing budget. You won't have like the, the, the viewers coming in day one. So you need time for that audience to build. And it may not work. So like, like not all shows work. The fair. It's like it's it's um uh it's tricky. So I always go with uh uh build a runway and another one is even if you're working with very low costs and low money, you need to make it the best you can. Uh, which is something I talk about in plugging another podcast, the terrible podcast, which is about web series making. I, I very much of the of the uh, of the point of view of like you just do the best version of the show you're making. Sure, you can cut corners to save costs, but it shouldn't, shouldn't look like you're cutting corners. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Because if you're doing, say, a vlog adaptation, it's very, and we've seen this, you've seen the version of people just want to do a show of some book and they just shoot in the room and they start the show. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly fine. It's, that's totally okay. Yeah, it's their right. It's a public domain book. You know, it's like, it's, it's insp- if it's inspired by us, if not, doesn't matter. It's like, it's totally their right to do it. As a viewer of quality content, I would love them to instead, not say instead, if you can do it, really do it. Like, make, as we made Lizzie's room really robust. It's not just a room. We It's not just Jenny Powell's, was Jenny Powell's room as was. We set designed it. We mm-hmm. did this stuff to it. We lit it correctly. We, we backlit her. There's like a clamp light above her pointing down to highlight her hair, for example. Like, mm. like little details like that um, just to add to the experience. So for us, um, I know you two have told me to talk about this uh, uh, privately, but like, like I describe it as like the Pemberley Sheen. You know, I'm not like saying you need the Pemberley Sheen, but you can see that all four of our shows has this kind of glossiness to it that makes it look a little shinier and produced. Now, you don't mean like, like that. That's perfectly fine. But that is a conscious choice on our side to make those shows look that way, mm-hmm. to make them glossier, to make them subconsciously or consciously a little more eye, uh, appealing to the eye with mm-hmm. colors and layers and, and all that stuff, even though we're very simply shot with yeah. one camera. So it's the things like that. And, of course, we put a ton of our resources in the writing and acting. We rehearse. We don't, we don't just, like, improv and shoot from the cuff. We try to cast the best person available. Like, all these things are, are still about the quality. It's just that we're spending so little on the production. Love it. Uh, wait, where can people find you on social media? Um, I am Bernie Sue everywhere. B-E-R-N-I-E-S-U. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, actually, on Twitch, I'm Burn Sue. If you actually want to flaunt, watch you play video games from time to time. Very rarely, <laughs> by the way. If I do stream. Uh, the Moment Story game is on Moments. It's on iOS and Android. It may not actually be versions of it. Maybe it may be alive or not, depending on when you air this. Because they keep like pulling it down from different territories and fixing them and putting them back up and so mm-hmm. forth. So that's the kind of thing that you're seeing uh, happening kind of constantly. I'm really hoping by the time this baby airs that it's just like great. great. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just works really, really well, and you're getting part of the world and everything. Hooray, um, cool. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's just the jam. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me too. Of course. It's been an honor. That wraps it up for this episode. Check out our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Pemberley. And if you'd like to talk to us directly or have any questions, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. And to support the podcast, donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash The Pemberley. Or leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people to find this podcast. You can find links to all of these pages on our WordPress page, thepemberleypodcast.wordpress.com, where we also include links to anything we mentioned on the show. Thanks again for listening. Bye! Bye.